This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. Assessing the risk of a Christmas visit, and with most of us planning to celebrate with only our own households, some expert tips on keeping all the trimmings while trimming the meal. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Starting in the new year, the World Health Organization is launching the United Nations Decade of Healthy Aging. It'll run from 2021 to 2030, and it's billed as an opportunity to bring together governments, agencies, professionals, the media, and the private sector for 10 years of concerted and collaborative action to improve the lives of older people, their families, and the communities in which they live. The UK government this week introduced first-of-its-kind legislation that would force tech companies to keep people safe online. Keeping children protected is at the heart of the proposal, but it will also protect seniors by giving online companies legal care of duty towards their users. Lawmakers are calling the online safety bill a new age of accountability for social media. Companies that fail to abide by the rules will face fines of up to $24 million or higher or have their service blocked in the United Kingdom. One of the wealthiest people in the world revealed this week she's given away $4.2 billion to those affected by the pandemic. Mackenzie Scott, ex-wife of Amazon founder Jeff Bezos, has donated to almost 400 American organizations, including food banks and emergency relief funds. In a blog post, the 50-year-old writes that economic losses and health outcomes have been worse for women people of color, and those living in poverty while substantially increasing the wealth of billionaires. Scott's net worth has risen by over $20 billion to over $60 billion during the pandemic on the back of Amazon shares. So you've never emailed, you've never texted? No. That's veteran stage and screen actor Christopher Walken admitted he's never owned a computer or a cell phone. 77-year-old Oscar winner says technology has passed him by and he's just fine with it. Now, necessity is the mother of invention and amid the pandemic, he's promoting his movies via Zoom. But he needs someone to set it up for him. When Dick Van Dyke was trending on Twitter this week, legions of fans were worried it might be bad news. In fact, the TV and movie legend celebrated his 95th birthday. Van Dyke is beloved for his roles in Mary Poppins, Bye Bye Birdie, Dick Tracy, the comic, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, Night at the Museum, and let's not forget the Dick Van Dyke Show. He admits he didn't always seem destined for advanced age, struggling for decades with alcoholism that he says began 
as a coping mechanism for shyness. I'm Libby Snymer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Are you debating your holiday plans, even though most of the authorities are recommending that we celebrate with our own households only? There's an online questionnaire to assess your risk, depending on your answers to a whole raft of questions. What is the age group of the oldest person you're visiting? Under 60? 60 to 69? 70 to 79? 80 to 89? Or over 90? What mode of transportation will the majority of people use to get to the visit? Private vehicle? Private vehicle with someone you know but do not live with? Bicycle or walk? Public transit? Taxi or Uber? Airplane or train ride? What's the living situation of the person you're visiting? Private home? Retirement home? Long-term care home? Leading gerontologist Dr. Samir Sinha designed the tool called My COVID Visit Risk for Ryerson University's National Institute on Aging. I am now halfway through your new tool to assess the risks with visiting. So why did you make this tool? We developed this because a lot of people, a lot of my older patients, but a lot of people in general are just saying, like, is it safe to visit with others? You know, is it safe to use transit? Or what's the safest way to get to somebody else's place? How at risk am I? Or how 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 risky is it getting together, you know, when some people in the group might be older or might have living with chronic conditions? How does it work? We had about 20 experts in infectious disease, occupational health, epidemiology, all consult on this. It's called the decision aid. We basically get you to go through, answer the questions, and then what we do is we make sure that we give you your risk score. We say that, Libby, the way you're proposing to do this visit with others, it's actually pretty risky. And then we give you education to let you know um, how you could lower the risk of your visit. So, for example, you might have been planning to meet indoors, and you're like, oh, I I didn't realize that meeting outdoors is actually better. And in fact, the smaller the group size, the better. And Or even, I didn't even think about, could I do this via a Zoom call instead? A lot of people are grappling with these questions. A lot of people are torn. I think these are big existential questions that people are debating about in their minds. And I think spending a lot more time hemming and hawing about what about these Christmas plans that we're kind of thinking about or what do I do? Do I visit my mom, you know, in her care home right now? And I think a lot of people spend a lot of time thinking about these things. And so I think the goal of this tool is it's 10 minutes of your time to where you can propose what your potential visit is. No one's developed a tool of this kind. It took us months to develop this way. Is it moot for those of us who are in lockdown? It's made for it's made for anybody anywhere, basically. So the key is what we want to remind people is that we need to follow the public health guidance that's out there first and foremost, right? This is not something to question the public health guidance right now. So right now, it's saying that, you know, right now our guidance, if you're in lockdown in Toronto or, or Peel region, for example, is saying that you should only be socializing with your household, that if you are a person who, and if you're a person who needs care, you can receive that from another household. But there are parts of the province and there are parts of the world that are not in lockdown here. And so the goal is, we always say, you have to follow the local public guidance first. But for example, if we say a month from now, we're out of lockdown, for example, and we're allowed to visit, you know, so say Christmas time, we're no longer in lockdown and you're saying, huh, do I, uh, so do we host the big party with 30 people and doing that? Well, this is a test you know, this is an assessment that can help you work through any scenario and anything. But we always say this helps to educate you. 
but um, but really, ultimately, we want people to follow the public health guidance first, wherever they live, uh, and then and then use this information to help think about how they can make visiting safer. Dr. Samir Sinha, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me, Libby. Okay, bye-bye. Bye, take care. That was Dr. Samir Sinha. You can find the questionnaire at covidvisitrisk.com. I'm Libby Zneimer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Coming up, how to downsize your Christmas meal while keeping it festive. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. This Christmas, big family gatherings are out. So, what do you do about the big festive Christmas meal that is so much a part of the holiday, the tradition, and family history? I got some ideas from food columnist, editor, and cookbook author, Lucy Waverman. We usually have between 14 and 18, depending on which of the family or, you know, who's around. This year, there's two of us. It is a huge change. And I know that many people are in this position from having the big Christmas dinners, and not only that, having people bringing dishes and things like that, to having to do it all yourself. One of the things that that some people are still doing, though, I think especially uh, parents of of young adults, is they're, they're actually going to cook still and send it over. That's what I'm doing is I'm I'm doing everything. I'm doing all the sides and um, a Christmas pudding of some kind and sending it to the, my three kids. They'll do their own protein for it. And then that, what else can you do? Like I want them to feel that it's still Christmas. And so we always have the same dishes. So I'm going to make those dishes. What do you usually have? Well, my family loves sweet and sour red cabbage, so that's the first thing I'm going to make. And then I have a recipe that I've made for years called squash brulee, where you kind of mash up squash with parmesan and a bunch of things in it, and then you put brown sugar on top right before you serve it and throw it under the the broiler. Both of these are way make-ahead dishes. You can make them two or three days ahead of time. We're going to make cranberry sauce because none of my kids know how to make it. And we're going to make um, a gravy, again, because this is a request from the kids. That is something you can do, even on a much more simple basis than I am, to bring your family together. If it's just the two of you and you you want to cook and it, for it still to be festive, what do you suggest? Well, first of all, personally, I would suggest forget the turkey because turkey breasts are still quite large and can be dry. If you can get some turkey thighs, that would be a perfect Christmas dinner because they're juicy and you just would roast them the same way as you would roast a turkey and you could even throw some stuffing underneath underneath them if you could. But but my tendency is just to go for a smaller bird. So duck or a chicken um, or even a capon if you want to have something that's really juicy and lots of leftovers. But the other way you can go too is to make something really special. Just get away from the whole idea of poultry and make like a beautiful beef fillet or even, even I know this is an old fashioned dish, but it is kind of special, a beef wellington. So you could, you could go that route or you could do a rack of lamb, which is perfect for two people. Um, and still make some Christmassy sides with them. 
back to the poultry, the turkey thigh, turkey thighs are generally, uh, I think, a bit unloved. You always see them on sale as the cheapest part of the bird. And it's crazy because they're the best. <laughs> Plonger, a dark meat lover, would be a perfect way to, to celebrate Christmas. Um, you know, I would roast it in, in a hot oven on a bed of vegetables. Hmm. Whatever kind of, you know, onions and carrots and maybe some celery or fennel. Maybe you could add in at this point some parsnips and some turnips so you would have some roasted vegetables. Put the turkey thigh on top, hot oven, 400 degrees, lots of oil uh, to make sure that it cooks. And it will probably take 45 minutes to an hour. I like dark meat, but my husband likes white meat. Yeah, I know. I, <laughs> I know. So there's not much you can do about that if you're not going to get a whole turkey. But you know, you could get rock Cornish, two rock Cornish hens. Yeah. And, we, and they're, they're perfect. Except there's no leftovers there. No, there isn't. So you have, but you have to make your choices. That's why I'm doing a capon for my, for my husband and I this, this year, because that way, um, capons are really quite delicious and they are available around Christmas time and you cook them the same way as you would cook a large chicken. Then we have lots of leftovers and capon leftovers are really great. There's lots of breast meat on them. They're big. They're 10 pounds. pounds, but so many, um, places are sold out of their smaller birds this year. So you're saying just stick with, scaled back versions of what you always make. Yes, or there is another way mm-hmm. if we've, uh, to go about having um, Christmas dinner, and that is to order it. Like maybe this is the one year that you actually decide you're not going to cook, but you're going to order Christmas dinner for two because a lot of places are doing that, and they're doing very special Christmas dinners too. I mean, Turkey, basically, yeah, or chicken or whatever, but they're really taking a lot of trouble with the sides and the desserts, you know, and an app and things like that. So it is another way of doing it so that you're not actually cooking in the kitchen, but not only are you having a great meal, but you're helping out restaurants, which are having such issues nowadays. And I guess... If you do something completely different, then you will be less likely to completely miss the way it usually is. I think you've got a really good point there. Maybe you want to relax. Maybe you've been cooking an awful lot this year, and I know that we're all in that sort of pandemic mode where we're, a lot of us are getting kind of sick of cooking, maybe this would be something that would be really special to make it a different and special Christmas. Okay, Lucy Waverman, thanks. Thanks, Libby. That was cookbook author Lucy Waverman. And that brings us to the end of this week's edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Libby Snymer. Thanks for joining me today. Be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. Zoomer Week in Review is produced by Zeev Hadi, Christine Ross, and Paul Thomas. Technical producer, Justin Eacock. Executive producer, Moses Neimer. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.